0: I'm Robin Cloud, and you're listening to Dear Queer on Brick Radio. Every week on Dear Queer, I sit down with a talented and brilliant member and or ally of the queer community to tackle questions on topics ranging from sex, relationships, money, work, and, well, the struggle in general. Send your questions to Radio at gmail.com. All right, mwah. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Dear Queer. I'm your host, Robin Cloud, and today in the studio, we have a new friend of mine by the name of Alexis Fish. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. This is just lovely.
1: (laughs) So tell me, um, who are you? Well, I am a uh, 41-year-old Brooklyn Transplant. I moved from LA about nine weeks ago for a new gig. And I am a proud owner of an awesome dog. And I am a being who really prioritizes amplifying queer voices in my chosen field, which is uh, creating media that matters.
0: So your recent transplant, and what brought you to Brooklyn? Well... Condé Nast, the publishing empire,
1: decided that it was time to uh, give GLBTQ Beings a platform. And they created Them, which is an online community. And I am very grateful that I was selected to become the senior producer of Them. So I'm responsible for producing and directing the majority of video content, and it's a video-driven platform. So it's quite an honor.
0: Cool. So prior to this, you said you were uplifting, right? Queer voices? (laughs) Amplifying, Amplifying, uplifting. Yeah, amplifying (laughs) queer voices. So what was the work you were doing in L.A.?
1: Well, you know, I I think as an independent film producer, there's there's work that you see and then there's a lot of development that you don't see. So uh, there's projects that you've seen and you know about and there's probably a hundred projects that in the past 20 years of my career you don't know about. So most recently I'm developing a TV concept with Rain Dove, who's someone uh, know, everyone seems to know in Brooklyn, who's an <laughs> yes. activist and um, model and artist and um, overall amazing being. And uh, developing the sequel to a beloved lesbian film of the 90s. And really?
0: Which Can you tell me which film that's uh, tantalizing? I, I can't,
1: but please be tantalized and please uh, support it when it comes to fruition. Okay. And, uh, gosh, uh, developing several feature projects. Um, I feel very strongly about food insecurity.
0: Tell me what does that mean exactly?
1: It just means that there's so many people who don't have the money to feed themselves, um, either homeless or on the other side of the spectrum, just underemployed and they they don't freelancers have, right <laughs> yeah and that's just ridiculous that's ridiculous in our country with the amount of waste and the amount of product we produce If you ever eat dinner with me, I don't let food go back to the kitchen. It always goes in a doggy bag, and it always goes out the door with me, and it gets handed to someone. Actually, I just—I finished a shoot last night, and uh, my script supervisor, who's been on all my shoots with them, we walked out, and of course I took a salad I didn't eat, and uh, we're walking along, and somebody asked— for something and I was like oh do you want a salad and he said I get it we leave shoots we hand out food and we go home <laughs> because our last shoot was on the Lower East Side and we had all this amazing food left over and I went across the street I, you know I was like scanning the road and I'm like oh it's a, a medical center for um, disenfranchised beings and I, I went to this like receptionist who I knew was going to say no but mm. it's like hey I have all this food can I donate it the powers that be said no it's a liability this damn liability around food and uh, so I just took it and I went inside and I said to the fifty people in the waiting room, Hey, there's amazing free food outside. And let them eat it.
0: <laughs> really? And did they come out?
1: Yeah, they all did. Right,
0: right. So how'd you like living in LA?
1: You know, I'm a rare breed. I moved to LA when I was nine. And what? I moved Oh,
0: so you've been you've been yeah,
1: there. Yeah. So and you moved to Westwood, so not even a suburb. Wow. So I'm I'm almost as native as they get. Mm-hmm. Um Chicago born born though, so I like to think of myself as a A Midwesterner with an urban edge.
0: (laughs) Do you miss it already? You've been here eight weeks, and now it's starting to get into the the dark times, as I call them.
1: I miss my dog. I had to leave my dog behind. Oh, no. Why? Oh, well, you know, um, production. Because your schedule is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's a little older. Um, I miss hiking. I miss the farmer's market and cook. I mean, you guys have amazing farmer's markets, but I, you know, I
0: so much cheaper in LA though it is so much cheaper the first cheaper. time i went there and i was in silver lake and i went to the silver lake farmers market and it was like a you know a box of strawberries for like 2 dollars i yeah. was like where am i well i'm buying boxes of
1: strawberry or berries here but they're like half of them are moldy someone told me right. that's like the brooklyn way
0: oh man and so are you single looking to mingle <laughs>
1: um I am oh, single. smiling, everybody. I am she's, single. She's blushing a little bit here. And um, I had a very good friend over, uh, the only friend, or, like, one of two friends who've seen where I live, and we were sitting on this beautiful patio of this tiny apartment I rented, and um, it was around 10.30 at night, and she said to me, you know, you live in a flight path. <laughs> I was like, what do you oh. mean? I hadn't been home before 10.30. I'd been at the office so late that I didn't even realize I lived in a flight path. Yes. But we were kind of figuring out, like, what I'm looking for, and I was like, I just, like, I want someone from like maybe 10 p.m. to like midnight. And then. Two hours? Yeah, I was like, that. Well, it's I'm tired. Um, and then what I really realized what I want, I want to fucking co work. <laughs> like, I want someone to bring their laptop because I just, like, I don't want you to leave. I don't. I want you to stick around, but like, we got to work. Like, I, you want I company,
0: gotta... but.
1: Yeah. Without like, the commitment? I don't know how I could show up for anybody right now and it wouldn't be fair. I'm pretty wholeheartedly committed to my work right now and very happy to be committed at this level. Right. An opportunity like them comes around very few times in a lifetime. I am extremely fortunate that I've had a couple of these. You know, I know what this is, and I know how powerful this is, and I know how important this is, and I am um, absolutely ready, willing, and able to put in the time and the commitment to realize all of its potential.
0: So you've sort of landed at the top of the heap, you know? We were talking about um, the journey to this place that you are now. So tell me, how did you get started and what has it been like?
1: Well, there's one thing I would like to say um, about the top of the heap. I'm not really a hierarchical being. Like, what is amazing about them is that I am not fundraising and i'm not applying for grants and i'm not finding executive producers i have a budget and i have people who really want to talk about smart queer topics that is amazing is it the top it's it's a beautiful thing for the queer community but there are people out there making work that is just as important and because of you know the interwebs and the democratization of our medium we, we have a lot of reach very quickly, but I'm making content just like every other being out there.
0: But the journey to this place?
1: Yeah, the, the journey, um, you know, it's really important to me that I don't glamorize this too much because it, it's been a journey and it's had amazing highs and amazing lows. And um, it's come with long bouts of um, income insecurity and sadness and depression, because I wasn't able to do the work that I wanted to do. You know, the journey started uh, after college. I was dot coming and, and the bubble burst in 2000, and I saw something on Craigslist that they were looking to cast a uh, butch dyke for a Todd Solon's movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was a child actor, I could do butch. And when I called, they said, oh, we've already cast it. And I said, oh, well, do you need any help? And I went and I interned. And then like two weeks in, I got bumped up to a PA. And uh, about three weeks into it, the head of one of the departments, the product placement supervisor, left to go do a Francis Ford Coppola movie. And because I had worked around contracts as a paralegal, they made me a department head. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I was in a room with Christine Vachon and Ted Hope. And I I looked at them and I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And then it was just a succession of more jobs than you can imagine starting at PA, production coordinating, production managing, line producing, and then arriving at producing and then executive producing. And.
0: So you've put your time in. That's what I hear.
1: Yeah, but I also want to be very clear that, you know, in one breath I was executive producing and then the next breath I was asking friends for PA gigs because I just needed to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And in one minute I was, you know, selling a documentary to HBO and in the next minute really having no money in my pocket and having someone call me and say, do you want to work on The Apprentice? This was in 2003. And working on The Apprentice and, you know, worst job of my life. Yes, absolutely gone on antidepressants for the first time ever and we didn't know I just like to say we who knew no one knew no one
0: could have ever imagined
1: (laughs) and then being unemployed and getting a phone call from you know I, I, I can't stress enough the power of my network you know I got myself to a lot of places and into a lot of places and met someone in LA who told me about uh this guy in Texas who was starting up a gay, you know, we didn't say queer yet, even though it was called QTV, but um, he was starting up a gay television network in Texas. And you know, no offense to the Texas people out there or the South, but I was like, yeah, I'm gay, I'm Jewish, I'm not going, like, I don't do South of the Mason-Dixon. <laughs> they called me back and they said, listen, we'll pay your day rate and we'll fly you first class. And I was like, oh, damn. i never flown first class. You're like,
0: okay, Texas, hey. So
1: I, I fly to Texas for the first time, land in Fort Worth. And um, I walked in, and this this man had created a huge production studio filled with money and possibility. And I called my mom, and I was like, hey, send me some clothes. You know, cut to 2005. Here had just launched, and Logo was about to launch. Mm-hmm. Logo wasn't launched yet. And we're talking about branding this network, and and I said to the owner— Listen, we need to affiliate ourselves with the best and brightest. There's this guy. He, want to, he wants to make this movie. It's indie. It's edgy. We need to be a part of this. And um, I still to this day say it's the best pitch I ever made. Went to Sundance, sat in a meeting with Howard Gertler and John Cameron Mitchell, and then I became the executive producer of Short Bust. Shit happens, right?
0: That's badass. Yeah. It was groundbreaking at the time.
1: Yes, it was. It absolutely was.
0: It still is. It still is. I remember watching it being like, oh, all these people. Yeah. Where are all these people? Exactly. You know? What sort of advice would you give to someone who is stepping into the industry now, looking to yeah. amplify queer voices with, you know, with a very different environment, you know? Yeah. Like, there's so many platforms. How do you navigate all of that and still be successful and not lose your soul or get sexually assaulted oh it's a big question right
1: (laughs) i studied it like my phd Mm -hmm. i still study it you know i'm being exposed to a whole new universe of queer minds and thought right now people recognize when your heart is in it people recognize when you have passion and you have vision and you have drive for sure
0: i queer. I identify as a white queer butch, but more and more I'm feeling unsettled in the identity and feel like I might be leaning more towards becoming a trans man. I'm afraid of a lot of things about this leap. Fear that my family will have an even harder time accepting me as a trans man. Fear of losing the somewhat safe status of being female. Fear of stepping into a weird twisted privilege of being seen as a white man. I don't feel comfortable in my current state, but fear that the new trans man I'd be might make me feel worse. What should I do? Sign flat-chested or fearful or both.
1: Uh, I love you. And there are so many people in this world who love you for who you are today, for what you might become tomorrow. You know, I I realize there's so many variables to your personal experience right now, you know, whether you're in one of the more progressive cities or you're at home with your parents. Like, I don't know I can only imagine how scary it might be or how overwhelming it might feel. But there are people, there are there are people online, there are people I could connect you to. There's this video that will be on them where people are speaking specifically to exactly where you are. Right. And there are resources and and it you know, the the beauty of gender presentation of I mean, I appreciate gender dysphoria is very, very, very difficult and traumatic. But you have the space because you have the gift of living in 2017.
0: Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Of exploring this.
0: Yeah. And I would say, um, you know, ditto on all of that. And also being your truest self is the only way you can exist Absolutely. and survive. And it's hard enough getting up in the morning, but getting up in the morning and not feeling like you are who you are, I think it's just it's awful. So although it is scary, you know, there's an improv saying, follow the fear, right, which, which sounds corny, but it's really, really true. I think that beautiful things can come to you when you reach out and approach the things in your life that are scary. And, yeah, this is going to make things very complicated. I mean, we're not, we're not denying that for sure. Coming out to your parents again, shifting identities, dealing with privilege, male privilege, or you know, being seen as male and thus dealing with male privilege. I mean, all of that stuff is really complicated. But at the end of the day, when you go home and you go to bed, you know, do you feel comfortable in your body? And I think that's the, the biggest question that you should probably think about and, and try to try to get to a place of acceptance. Here, here. <laughs> right. Dear Queer, I hate that I have to write this, but I really need your help. I'm a queer in her early 30s and living with my current girlfriend of four years. Things have been rough lately as she is a few years older and has decided that she really wants to have a baby. I get it. She's older and the window is closing, but I'm just not feeling ready. I love her and want to support her, but I'm not sure I'm ready to be a parent. I've been freaking out on the inside and haven't said anything to her about my fears. Last week, while I was riding home on the train, I ran into this chick I used to sleep with. And, well, I went home with her. I know it was dumb and stupid and probably a reaction to my stress of my own relationship. I feel like such an ass. I mean, I am an ass. What should I do? Signed, not ready.
1: Oh, man. I have feelings about that. That's multi-layered. First of all, you fucked up. (laughs) You cheated. Then as a woman who is 41 years old and spent a lot of time and money trying to get pregnant, you know, when you want to birth a child, it is a huge desire. And um, to not share the fact that you're not ready and in any way hindering this other being's ability to do something that I think they probably like cosmically feel mm. like your body yearns yes for sure that um, is real you got to you got to own up to that because this person has a different set of expectations and let's be real you know <laughs> every month matters every year mm. matters when you're talking about fertility People understand that a lot more. We didn't talk about it when I was a young no, dyke. You know, not at we all, we didn't ever. talk about freezing eggs. I didn't. I always thought I was gonna adopt or foster, and I, I still hope that that's a viable option for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Uh, so I, you owe you owe this person. I I don't know. Did you say if they're a woman? I don't I don't know how they define themselves or they how they identify Girlfriend, Yeah. Girlfriend. Okay. Like I am sure you love this being with all your heart, and the greatest gift you can give her with that love is to be. Really honest because they need to probably move on.
0: Yeah, I would say that too. I mean, like, one, you're being dishonest about your own feelings and therefore being dishonest to your partner. Two, you slept with a random person in reaction to the stress in your life, yeah, which is problematic. You know, I mean, that is not a healthy way to deal with your problems. And Biology, as Alexis was saying, is so real. And if you aren't ready, step up to the plate. The most important thing you can do is be honest. And it, it's okay. Like, I think a lot of people feel when they're, they know they're ready to go, but they're so afraid of hurting the person. But guess what? You're hurting her more by stringing her along and cheating on her and lying to her. Yeah. That's the pain. What she's going to remember when you guys break up is all the shit that you did. Not the fact that you came to her and sat down and had a conversation and were like, hey, listen, this is too much for me. I'm not ready. Because that's respectful. Like, you know, someone in their early 30s, I would respect that. I'd be like, okay, we're on different paths. No problem. Like, I mean, it would be sad. But to do all this other stuff in reaction? And you're ruining any future relationship that you might have. Yeah, you're breaking the bond. Breaking the bond. bond. And, like, you're going to be crossing the street for the rest of your days in, in Brooklyn, at least, or wherever you are.
1: I think there. one of the like greatest moments of my both personal and professional growth was I re- when I realized I don't actually have to take care of other people's feelings by not telling them the truth.
0: Oh, amen.
1: That the greatest gift I can give myself and other people is to believe that they can handle the truth. Great. And if they can't handle that, that's okay, too. But just like live in and speak your truth.
0: Every day. Dear Queer, I've been freelance for almost 10 years. I recently got into a new relationship with a man who insists that this lifestyle doesn't work for him, and he wants me to have a regular job. He went as far as to get me an application to be a teller at Chase Bank. I'm a photographer, mind you. I make a decent living, but more than anything value my freedom. I'm trying to decide if I should give him a chance to understand or just dump him now and avoid the drama. Thanks. Signed, Freelance is Freedom. <laughs> freelance, That's is freedom. freelance is Freedom. Freelance Freedom. And stress and anxiety. But yes, it is freedom. I worked
1: at a corporate law firm when I got out of school in 1998 for a year, and it broke me. Mm. And my biggest fear was having to be somewhere at 8 (laughs) a.m., having to sit in recycled air and fake lights. And actually, those are my two biggest fears. I'm not even kidding you. You know, I, I think that some of us are made for... Uh, nine to five and some of us just aren't we are cut from different claws. you're an artist you're an artist like I can't tell you how many times my mom was like can you just get a job at Starbucks can you just do anything Alexis you're so capable like just please go get a job but um, I think it will kill your soul to go work as a teller and definitely why live a soulless life
0: and also, um, you're grown, and you are who you are, and that's who you're going to be. And if this person doesn't love you for who you are in the incarnation that you are in right now, fuck them. That's all I have to say about it. That he doesn't deserve you. And you know what I find is like a lot of people, they, they love the arts and love the artist, but they don't like the lifestyle and the work <laughs> That it takes, or the difficulty, or the ups and downs. They just want the final painting, but they don't want to see you struggling in the studio.
1: You know what I mean?
0: And he sounds like that kind of guy. Cut it off. It's not worth it. Plus, you just got into it, so it's not going to hurt so bad. Don't waste, like, three or six years. I mean, you're a man, so you probably won't be in it as long. (laughs) You won't do a lesbian, like, 10-year relationship and then realize.
1: I thought it was 48 months. Oh, God. There's that great... Storage Solutions Make Me Hot. Do you remember that video no, that went around? That sounds
0: amazing, though. It went what around, like, I...
1: 10 years ago. And she's like, do you want to do this for the next 48 to 64 months? Like, I will I will make fresh hummus. I will. It's just it's <laughs> so funny. That it's, sounds like, all amazing. The, the lesbian stereotypes.
0: Yeah. So I say, you know, find someone who accepts you for who you are right now, not someone who wants to mold you into the person that they want you to be. That's bullshit.
1: Yeah. And also, when you're making your art, when you're you're in the flow, you're gonna attract that person, and yeah. they're gonna see you and celebrate you in all of your artistic greatness.
0: And they might might be a nine to fiver, but still love you anyway and understand it. They can pay for coffee. Exactly, and vacations. Yay! <laughs> and hopefully, you can get on his health insurance. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on right. the real real, that's serious. So where can people find you on the socials? Oh my god,
1: my friend just made me make my Instagram public.
0: <laughs> oh yes, I never understand why people have private Instagram. Because I'm not—I'm a behind-the-camera person. I've never
1: wanted Hello, to be in front want of the camera. to
0: see cam- what's happening. No, but I—I—I I,
1: I, I don't know. Behind the scenes. I post about my dog and I take food photos. There um, you go. I'm, but I'm learning. I'm it's learning. A start. I do have some really cool shit to show you. Uh, I've I've seen some. I've met and seen some amazing stuff in the past eight weeks. But you know, I have my whole life. I've I've been blessed. Um, (laughs) I mean, I've been blessed and cursed.
0: I mean, isn't that life? I feel like that's life. So yeah, walking around being blessed every single day. If they are, fuck them. Uh, It's not real.
1: No, and if they make it look that way, fake. Instagram.
0: But wait, do you want people to follow you on Instagram or no? On Twitter. Do you have a website?
1: I do have a website. I apologize it's not updated all the time. um alexisfish.com. And uh, I have a little production company School of Fish that will show you my past work and maybe some stuff in the future. And you can follow me on Instagram, but I'm really sorry. I it's I just don't I don't think in an Instagram world. I don't think like, "Oh, I'm at this amazing place. Let me take a picture." But it's A Fish in LA. A Fish in LA. You'll get to see thank Fergie, you. my dog.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This has been awesome. This is my first podcast.
1: They're really? so fun.
0: Oh, We popped your podcast, Sherry. You did. Yay. I can only
1: hope it's as amazing as this every time if there is another <laughs>
0: time. I'm sure there will be. Well, welcome to Brooklyn, baby. Bye. You've been listening to Dear Queer. If you need our help, please send us an email at dearqueerradio at dearqueerradio gmail.com dear queer is part of the brick radio family for more information visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio yeah do it red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather
1: Sally sells she she shells by the seashore